Uh, the scripture has been asked to read is uh, Psalms chapter 32. Psalms chapter 32, verses 1 through 5. And I don't only like doing this, but I'm going to have to use my phone. I cannot read these words today. So. Not bright enough. Psalms 32, 1 through 5. Blessed is he whose transgressions is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. When I kept silent, my bones grew old through my groaning all the day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My vitality was turned into the drought of summer. I acknowledge, I acknowledge my sin to you and my iniquity I have not hidden. I said, I will not confess my transgressions to the Lord. I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. And you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Let's pray. Our dear Heavenly Father, it's um, a time that we come together and that we get to praise you and, and worship you. And, and Lord, uh, at this time, um, we just ask that... Uh, we try to clear all things from our minds, um, things that are weighing heavy on our hearts to solely uh, concentrate on your word and, and the message that's being brought forth this morning. Lord, help us to remember to be those that love one another, those that uh, care about each other, and, and those that want to see others uplifted and, and ourselves. Lord, I, I ask that you be with Steve this morning as he's um, prepared his lesson and that uh, you help him to remember the words that he wants to get across, but mainly the words that come from, from your word are the ones that lay heavy on our hearts. Lord, we just thank you once again. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Morning, everyone. I tried the doctor mask thing, but my glasses weren't agreeing. So once again, you get bandit preacher. Hope you guys are okay with that. Um, good to see everyone this morning. I'm glad that you had plowed roads, or at least uh, the sufficient bravery <laughs> to drive anyway. Um, anyway. I wanted to talk today about something very hippie, the mind-body-soul connection, man. You know, this is actually, it may seem like a hippie concept, it's actually a biblical concept in a lot of ways, and I'm going to show that through Scripture today, but one thing we're not going to talk about, you may remember, is that Jesus heals a paralytic, and what does he say to that paralytic? He says, he doesn't say get up and walk, he says, your sins are forgiven. And people are like, wait, who's this man that thinks he has the ability to forgive sins, or the authority to forgive sins? And Jesus said, well, which is easier to say, 
get up and walk or your sins are forgiven. And as a kid, I was thinking, honestly, get up and walk would be easier to say. That would make more sense to me. What Jesus means is, first of all, back then, the Jews, even though God said the opposite, the Jews believed that if someone had something seriously wrong with them, it was because they had sinned. That's just like all the things that Satan tries to get us to think. It's close to the truth, but it's importantly just different enough from the truth to be a stumbling block rather than a help. So if you have, if you think that your health or wealth or anything else good in your life is contingent upon how good of a boy you are or how good of a girl you are, you need to read the scriptures some more because that's just not what the Bible says. It says that for Israel as a nation, but not for us as people. And so I'm kind of tying in a lot of threads um, in this lesson because, again, I'm, I'm seeing, and I said this on Wednesday, and I'm still seeing more of it. Back in March, you know, even Linda was saying, aren't we going to have a mental health crisis if this stays going for a month or so? <laughs> it's gone a lot longer than that. And the answer is yes. I think you were thinking more about people with OCD, but I, also people, here's the thing, we're all getting a little crazy. I said this on Wednesday night, and it is true, and you're thinking, well, I'm not getting crazy. Okay, fine. You can fall asleep. But we are, actually don't fall asleep. Because what I want to do this morning is help all of us reach a next level of spiritual well-being. And when you face a crisis, when you're under stress, you're going to do one of two things. You're either going to break and crash, or God can turn any bad thing into a good thing. All things work together for the good of those that love God and are called according to His purpose. So in this time, we can either get really weighed down or we can use the force that's being pushed down on us and let God change that force into a shaping force that builds us up. But that force is on us right now. And as a preacher, well, as a therapist, you have to know that what people do with their, uh, their time and what they do with their body is going to affect their mental health. And also, their mental health is going to affect their body. A lot of the symptoms of mental health issues are somatic. They have to do with, you know, things that go wrong with your body. And of course, simple things like not sleeping right and things like that. And this isn't a new concept. The Bible has always said this. And this is just one lesson I want to give you today in how we can 
turn the pressure that's on us into something good if we will let God help. Because right now, on a lot of different levels, personal, church, and United States, and world levels, dust is being kicked up left and right. And we have a choice at this point in our individual lives and in our lives here in the body to say, okay, look, the dust has been kicked up. This is time for me to set things straight and really get myself in order and I'll come out on the other side of this better. Or we can sit back, let the storm blow around us and end up covered in rubble at the end. So this is one of the, the big things I want us to do. And it's a, it's a change that, that God has shown me. And it's a change that I want to share with you. It's always been in the Bible. But there's always more that we can learn. There's always something God can teach us so that we can rest in His arms better today than we did yesterday. Because let's be clear about one thing. You getting through this, or me getting through this, or our church getting through whatever we need to get through, or this country getting through whatever it needs to get through, is not going to be up to what we do or, or don't do. We're called to do things. And when God calls us, we must take action. But don't think the action you're taking is going to be the deciding factor in your individual life, or in the life of this church, or in the life of this nation. You with me? Because it's not. Only God can take you where you need to go. Only God can take this church where we need to go. And only God can take this nation where it needs to go. Now, that, that doesn't mean that what we do isn't important. It is important. It's important. It's extremely important. But... Throughout the Bible, again and again, God does what He does in spite of the fact that we are not perfect. And even as Jesus was hanging during His torture, His public shame, nailed to a beam in excruciating pain, He said, Father, forgive them. They don't have any idea what they're doing. Even then, God's healing power was on the people around Him. At the height of man's sinfulness, God still loved us. While we were enemies, Christ died for the ungodly. And that's the beautiful thing. All right, so let's go to Matthew. What I want to talk to today about, go to Matthew uh, chapter 6. You've read this before. What I want to talk today about is our prayers. And this came up because this is New Year's. And everyone has, well, I don't. A lot of people have New Year's resolutions. This year, I'm not going to say anything goofy from the pulpit. I've already lost. So what good did that do me? But real change does require our effort. But for the change to really take hold... It takes relationship with God. So, I want to talk today 
about admitting our sins and why that's important. But first, let's talk about why we don't admit our sins. At least why I didn't. Matthew 6. You know this. It's one of the recordings of Jesus teaching everyone how to pray. He says, pray like this. Our Father in heaven, holy, hallowed be your name. May your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Now, that has led to a lot of prayers by me. And this is not a bad prayer to say, God, please forgive me of my sins. God, forgive me of my sinfulness. Again, if you remember that God is not some magic apparatus that we have to turn the right dial and pull the right lever at the right time. Wait, hang on, two more steps and then I have forgiveness. It's not, that's not how it works. But wait, I didn't formulate my prayer. Clause two was supposed to be thankfulness. Oh, I've blown it. That's actually how I was taught, though, that we have to pray like it says here, the same format and everything, which is ridiculous. God is our Father. Read the beginning. Our Father in heaven. Pray like this. Pray. We can call him Abba, Father. We can call him Dad. Pray, Dad, hallowed be your name. Our God in heaven. It's about relationship. And while it's a good thing in a relationship to say, you know what, Linda, forgive me for being a jerk today. That's a good thing. We can't leave it at that. When I was dealing with uh, incarcerated teenage boys, one of the big problems that they had was really owning up to what they had done. And you see that pattern throughout their lives. They never owned up to anything they had done. And the more they didn't own up to things, the more that just became a lifestyle of minimizing and deflecting. And why, do, why did they do that? Because it's too painful to look at the truth of what they had done. But the, here's the thing. When we are bland or uh, just kind of nebulous about the sins we commit, at least in my life, that has been because it's too painful to say out loud with my actual mouth and breath to God, I am sorry for the specific thing I did. It's hard to do that because then you have to say it out loud. And that's hard to do. It is hard to do, and it's hard to do to say it to someone that you've done it to but a lot of times, I've seen healing happen just because someone says, I'm sorry that I was selfish when what I should have done was been there for you. I've seen 30 years of pain healed 
by a, not completely, but that's the beginning of a healing, a pain that's been there for 30 years. Just admitting what you've done. And that's why in our court systems, the judge heavily takes into account, does the defendant who's been convicted admit to what he or she has done? It's a big deal. All right. Moving on to Proverbs chapter 28. We're going to be looking at verse 13. The proverb says, whoever conceals his transgressions will not prosper. However, he who confesses and forsakes them will obtain mercy. It's a two-step process. Confession and repentance. Which we have correctly identified as two things you need to do in order to claim that you followed the, the call to become a Christian, right? We have to confess our sins and then stop doing them. Of course, we can't just keep confessing all the time because that's, that's a pattern of abuse. If you do something wrong to someone, then you say, I'm sorry, and then you immediately do it again, and then you say, I'm sorry, and then you immediately do it again, and then say, I'm sorry, that's a pattern of abuse. And we don't want to do that. It's, it requires both parts. You know, um, I'm a little bit familiar with Alcoholics Anonymous. Um, been in it, and I've uh, led group sessions in it. I'm not uh, a big fan of Alcoholics Anonymous, weirdly, um, because it's not a God-based treatment. When it is God-based, then it's different. Because again... God can heal us from things that we can't heal ourselves from. And the actual statistics point this out. If you go to Alcoholics Anonymous, you, and people get offended. People who, are, who have been in AA or NA get offended when I say this, but it's just factually true. If you go to Alcoholics Anonymous, your long-term uh, prognosis for remaining sober is about 2.7% which is right around the same number as if you had stayed home and watched Spongebob. Or anything else. In other words, if you had done nothing. When you take that to a faith-based organization, faith-based organizations who treat alcoholism and other chemical dependencies, depending on which study you believe, you're talking about anywhere from about the late 50s, 58%, all the way up to the low 80%. That's a huge jump from nothing to substantial. Why? Because when God gets involved, healing happens. If you're trying to do it on your own, if you're trying to read a book other than the Bible on how to do it, you're not going to be able to do it. The only way we're really going to be able to have a sound mind, body, and spirit is to say, God, I'm sorry that I have been selfish. I'm sorry that I've been a coward. I'm sorry 
that I was cowardly because when you asked me to do this thing, I simply didn't do it. Specifics of the things that you've done. One thing, now I think Alcoholics Anonymous gets a lot of things right, and it originally was a faith-based organization, and I think it had some success back when it was a faith-based organization. They recognize, and I think everybody recognizes this, the only way to change the way you are, the first step is admit you have a problem. The first step to change is always to acknowledge what needs to be changed. If you can't acknowledge what needs to be changed, then it's going to stay that way. So, that is a big part of where confession comes in. Confession, God doesn't need you to confess, of course. God doesn't need you to confess. He knows what you've done. He knows exactly what you've done, and He knows why. You need you to confess. Because God forgiving you over and over again for the same thing, which you're not even naming, is probably not a formula for change in your life. Let me say that again. You continually saying, God, I'm sorry, and not saying what it was you did, why you did it, and what you should have done instead is not going to be a formula for change in your life if you just keep doing the same thing over and over again. Those pesky things that you just keep falling into, why don't you have a conversation with God about it? Why don't you say, God, here's my problem. I'm always afraid that I'm gonna, that this bad thing is going to happen. I'm afraid I'm going to lose my job. I'm afraid my family's going to get hurt. And therefore, I lied. Or therefore, I held back something that I should have given to someone else. Or whatever it is, get specific. You have wronged God because you've wronged the people He loves, and you've wronged yourself. And we, you need to confess that and According to the scripture we just read and a couple of others, if we don't confess those things, it's not that God can't forgive us. And it's not even that God won't forgive us. I think the thing is, the forgiveness doesn't do anything to change us. Now, you can disagree, because that's, that's a little bit of a liberty I'm taking there with the scripture. And maybe it is true that God actually doesn't forgive us unless we confess our sins, but I think we can get into a little legalism there where we end up in a booth where I'm sitting on one side with the door in between and you're sitting on the other side and you're going to, forgive me, Steve, it has been three days since my last confession. You know what I mean? That's not what it's about. It's not about your memory. Oh, I forgot, I forgot to ask forgiveness of a sin. I'm damned now. Again, that was something I was taught growing up. It's not about that either, right? It's about your relationship with God. It's about your truthfulness as a person because those teenage offenders had committed serious, serious crimes. And it's because if you look at every one of them, there was a pattern in them that was a pattern in their family that they learned of never really taking account of the things that they had done. And it just escalates and escalates and escalates. 
So, I don't know. Maybe God doesn't forgive a sin unless you specifically confess it. I don't think that's true. Let's look at some more scriptures and we'll find out together. Psalm 32 was read this morning. We can read it again. Verses 1 through 5. Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity or sin, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. Do you see the connection there? Forgiveness and a spirit of truthfulness. That's not by accident. Forgiveness goes along with a spirit of truthfulness. More specifically, a spirit in which there is no deceit. And here's where we get to the mind-body-soul connection. When I kept silent, about what? About what? About the things that I did wrong. When I said, well, you know what, forgive me. I, if I, I'm sorry if I upset you. Okay, sometimes that's all you need to say. But when you've sinned against God, you need to not have deceit in your heart. And if you do, here's what happens. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away. Does he mean that metaphorically? I'm sure he does, but I'm sure he's also felt it physically. If you've really been beaten down by sin, it's a physical thing, I can tell you. You can see it on the faces of people who are beat down by sin that it goes down to your bones. Through my groaning all day, for day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. Here the psalmist, it's David, says, I feel like I was just under so much pressure by the hand of God. Because God is a just God. Then, verse 5, he says, I acknowledged my sin to you. Acknowledged my sin to you. Not said, hey God, forgive me. He said, he didn't, he didn't say, I asked for forgiveness. He said, I acknowledged my sin. And I didn't cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. And then you forgave the iniquity of my sin. All that's tied up in there. I, I tell you, and I was... Uh, Counseling with someone uh, even yesterday afternoon who I had counseled with before, and they said, you know what, I did what you said, and I was, I was on my belly praying to God. God help me. And he did. And you're like, well, Steve, that's crazy. Okay, I guess it was crazy when Jesus did it too. There's something about humbling yourself before God in the, any way that you can think of. Physically, spiritually, mentally, you have to confess and say, God, 
here are the things I've done wrong and I shouldn't have because you've done nothing but love me. You've done nothing but bless me. But I was a coward. I was a fool. I was selfish. And I did these things anyway. Please forgive me. Help me to do better. Because we, we can't talk about it all today, but the Spirit helps us in our weakness. Not just in praying what we need to pray for, but the Spirit in us changes our spirit. Okay. Let's go to 1 John. You guys probably know this one. I tend to flip to it a lot. 1 John chapter 1. Verse 9 up through chapter 2, verse 1. If we confess our sins. Let me stop there for just a second. Because I did take a deep dive into the Greek on this one. He doesn't say, if we confess our sinfulness. That's not what it says. It says, if we confess our sins. And again, I don't think he means that in a legalistic way. But as far as it's possible for you to do, because obviously God doesn't want us to do something impossible, but as far as it's possible for you to do, confess your sins. If we confess our sins, plural, He is faithful and righteous. I'm changing that because just is actually kind of righteous. He's faithful and just slash righteous to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, do you see that? What does cleanse us from all unrighteousness mean? Does that mean, well, does that mean that we don't have accountability for our sins? Well, no, we already were forgiven our sins. Why are we, what is this cleansing? Why is it forgiveness of sins and cleansing from unrighteousness? Why does he say both things? Is it just poetic? John doesn't tend to repeat himself too much. He's not being poetic. He's saying, if we confess our sins, Jesus is full of dikaiosune, full of righteousness. If we confess our sins, Jesus is righteous to cleanse us from unrighteousness. See what he's saying there? It's more than just, I forgive you, go away. Jesus participates in our cleansing. In changing us from unrighteous to righteous. And that has to be more than just forgiveness of sins. And I know it's more than just forgiveness of sins. It changes who we are. It changes the spirit connected to our mind and our body. And this is why I think this is so important anytime, but especially right now. Our, our bones are, are drying up. Our bones are aching. Our, our strength is drying up. And part of that may be, well, the two things that I can think of the Bible list that causes people to do that is number one, forsaking the assembly, and two, 
not confessing our sins. So we talked about one, let's talk about the other. There may be more. This is the one we're talking about right now. Our last verse for the day is in James chapter 5. Verses 15 and 16. Again, James is going to make the soul-body connection here. The prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. They say that God will always heal someone of their medical condition every time you pray. Is that what it says? No, it doesn't say that. What it says is, the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. He may raise him up by the body, but the primary thing God does is raise us up by the Spirit. Cleanses us from unrighteousness. Raises our spirit up. And if you have known anybody in the hospital, someone whose spirit is raised has a much, 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 much better prognosis than someone whose spirit has not been raised. God will raise our spirit. And of course, He could mean, and I think does mean, raise Him up on the last day. But He doesn't say raise Him up on the last day. And... And if this person for whom you've prayed has committed sins, he will be forgiven. What? That's a deep dive we're not getting into this morning. (laughs) I get myself enough trouble on a Sunday as it is. I like to pick one trouble thing at a time or at most 12. We're going to leave that one. Therefore, since that is true... Confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. That's profound stuff right there. First of all, it says that my righteousness is not a solo sport. It is a group activity. And I thank those who have come forward recently and said, please pray for me as I ask God to try to raise up my soul. And I can tell you, it's had an impact on the person I know close that did that. And I can tell you, in my life, confessing, yes, here's the real sin, has had a spiritual, mental, and physical effect on me in what I can only say is an obviously miraculous way. Well, Steve, that doesn't happen anymore. Hey, fine. Tell that to God. I know what I saw. I know what I experienced. God can do anything He wants to do. He's not limited by your opinion or your materialistic worldview. God is not limited by anything or anyone. 
God is faithful to His promises. I know that. Stop limiting Him. So, I had to get in some shouting, I guess, today. I don't know why it had to happen, but here's the thing. Satan is getting into our lives, into our households, into our churches, and into our nation by taking those things, those little nagging things that we just don't seem to deal with. Everybody look at the floor in case I'm talking about you. Those nagging little things that you keep doing or the thing that you should have taken care of that you have not taken care of. That is how Satan is moving into your house and into your heart. And that's how Satan moves into this church and into this nation. And I'm saying it's time to call the exterminator. And this is how you call the exterminator. You say, God, please forgive me for doing that thing. You don't say that thing. Again. And if you do it again the next day, God, forgive me for doing that thing again. I shouldn't because it hurts me and it hurts the people around me. And you've given me everything I need to resist the evil one. And yet I'm choosing to hurt you and my family and the world. That's what we need to pray. more kneeling friendly mic we may need to uh, still working like I said right now we can't afford to have a long-term spiritual disease right now the small things are the big things that may always be true but let's not let the small things weigh us down. Let's not continue to be a victim of our sin and our past and our environment. Let's hold God. He says, test me on the things I've said to you. Well, test Him on this. Say, God, I want to do better. I've been stuck here. I know I should have done that. And I didn't. I know I should stop doing this, but I keep doing it. Let's talk about that in painful detail. And just like those teenage felons I dealt with, there is healing and hope in just confronting what it is inside of you that needs to be excised. The thing inside of you that's rotting you from the inside out. And we don't have to keep walking around in our lives and the burden just gets heavier and heavier and heavier. And then when we experience stressful times or we experience something unexpectedly bad in our lives, just 
a little bit more, just a grape on top of the sack stacked on our head is enough to bring us to our knees. Let's not do that, please. Let's be healthy. Let's be spiritually healthy. Let's let God do things in us that we didn't think are possible so that we can do individually and as a group things none of us think are possible and things the world around us says are impossible. And then everyone will know that we're His people. Amen? If you need the prayers of the church, if you want help getting past your sin, I promise you, you're no worse than any of us. And it doesn't matter what your sin is. God can heal you from it. And as a group, we should be participating in helping each other. Just as our brother and sister, who are two of the best people I know, have come forward and say, help me. And the Lord gives His blessings. If you need the prayers of the church, or if you're not a Christian this morning, and you need baptism to save you from your sins, please come forward right now while we stand while we sing this song.